Welcome to another episode of Overlooked Giants. I'm Asati Nu, and in this episode, I am meeting with singer, songwriter, and podcast host, Larae Ganey, aka Miss Queen Larae. I first met Miss Queen Larae several years ago, and our first conversation was filled with sarcasm and witty responses. From that point on, I knew that we were going to be good friends, and I was not wrong. It was also a plus that our children were close in age, which made it easy to set up play dates or hangouts as they call them now, and to be able to have adult conversations. Listen, if you've ever had experience in raising children, then you know how difficult it can be to have adult conversations. Lorraine is truly a loving and kind spirit, and what I love about her is her ability to keep it real always, which includes setting folks straight from time to time when needed. I have had the pleasure of singing songs with her, and I'm grateful to call her my friend. Listening to her story, I identified with so many parts of her experiences. I understood all too well her struggles, and to this day, I appreciate her guidance as she walks into her greatness. She brings a knowledge and wisdom to the table that the old folks would call beyond her years, but I just call it an openness to love and life. My name is Larae Ganey, also known as Miss Queen Larae. I wear that badge proudly. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if you know this. I changed my name when I was in high school to Queen. Just added, asked my mom if I could. And she was like, I don't care. And so I did. Um, dope, dope. So legally, my name is Queen Larae Ganey. That's um, I am originally from New York. I moved to California in the 80s. So uh, I am very much, whenever people say, like, are you from California? I'm like, "Mm, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I've been here forever. So yes, but very much still like a New Yorker at heart Mm -hmm. because my whole entire family is from New York. Um, So I feel like I'm like the best of both worlds because nothing beats the west and nothing beats the east like it's amazing um i work with kids i i that's like my two major loves are children and music absolutely children and music and so i like to make sure i have my hand in both pots because those are the things that kind of keep me sane Mm -hmm. um outside of that uh, I, I could not imagine my life without music or without like working with kids. I would be a very sad person. I feel it. I feel it. Uh, so tell me, since we're talking about music, how long have you been involved um, in music? My entire life. I am a preacher's kid. My, um, my dad has, well, he's a retired pastor, but he was a pastor pretty much my whole life. Didn't I just turn that on? Um, he was pretty much a pastor my whole life. And so I was, you know, those kids in church that sing. Um, and I grew up singing. Mm. I grew up, uh, you know, like in church. And our church wasn't like a small church, but it wasn't like some mega church either. Um, but you kind of pick up the slack like when you're the pastor's kid you Mm -hmm. learn to 
you learn to make bulletins and answer the phones and, you know, sweep the floor, play the drums. And, you know, that's a lot of these musicians, that's how they learn to, like, sing and, and play instruments because, like, that's what they had to do. So I started singing young, like, solos, and I started leading the choir young. Like, that kind of stuff, or directing music. Um, and then professionally, I did my first tour when I was 20, like 20 years old. Yeah, I did my first tour. And then from there, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is the life. I want to do this. Um, and I knew because I was young, like I could do it. I mean, you know, things change when you get older um, and especially when you have children. I'm not saying music changed for me, but wanting to like always be on the road and that kind of stuff, that changed for me because I'm a homebody. I'm like lazy <laughs> as far as, <laughs> not lazy, but like if it were a choice of like uh, going out and like, you know, hitting the streets and staying at home in some nice comfy sweats that'd be like uh home please so yeah but that was pretty much my life like music was from from a kid on music was everything but like when 20 hit and I got the taste of like being on the road it was like oh no this is this is it there's no turning back right on so a little bit more around your background tell me when did you discover discover yourself as a queer person probably when I was like six (laughs) when I was about six years old I um I never like I wasn't looking I was telling somebody this the other day like I when most little girls were like oh Santa's my boyfriend I never said like a girl was my girlfriend because I knew like being the pastor's kid like that's not right I felt like I was taught like that is not okay Mm -hmm. it's not what we do um but I knew I didn't like the little boys that were in my class you know I didn't want to hold their hand or when me and my friends played house you know like I knew that I didn't want you know some little boy playing house with us do you get what I'm saying yeah yeah um so I knew very young, but I, it wasn't something that I expressed until way later in life. Like I dated men most of my life because I, I felt like that was what I was supposed to do, mm. not what I wanted to do. So young, I was a kid. So which talk to me more always, about. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. All I was going to say, which is interesting to me, though, because, you know, like we hear people say all the time, I mean, you and I, we, we have kids, right? So we hear people say when it comes to kids, like, you know, kids don't know, especially when it comes to either gender identity or sexuality, people are quick to say kids don't know what they want or what they like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, how could you tell me that? Because I knew at a young age that it wasn't like, oh, I was trying to have sex, obviously not at a young age, but I knew like there was something, you know, about that little boy that I was like, mm, no, I'm not feeling. And so to, it's we're so quick adults sometimes to be like, you know, 
or don't take kids to pride because they don't need, you know, they don't know what they want and what they like. And it's like, a lot of kids do though. And then adults are also so quick to, you know, say, so-and-so, you know, he got a little girlfriend and he's in kindergarten. And it's like, you saying he has a little girlfriend or the kids come home and say, I got married today, you know, and they don't know what marriage is, right? But they're like, I got married. And we think that's cute, but we don't think it's okay for them to express that they like the same gender when they're that same age of the kids saying that they got married or that so-and-so is their girlfriend because they shared cookies, you know. Right. Ethical. It's very interesting, those dynamics and how that works and what we deem as um, appropriate and inappropriate. It's weird. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I guess just to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, I do agree because uh, what's interesting is even talking to, there was another um, person that I've interviewed uh, and they are a film director and they talked about how um, their parents met when they were little, little, and they lived next door to each other. And uh, basically, uh, their father said, I knew I loved your mother from the first day that we met. And they, you know, I mean, they were little, little, but, you know, they grew up together and then they ended up getting married and having, I think they had had seven kids together and like, you know, and I mean, stayed together until she passed and uh she he told the kids the only reason why he was still alive is because she told him that he couldn't he couldn't die you know just because she had died right you know and so it's just kind of like i mean but they had that kind of love and it's it is interesting how it becomes acceptable uh for heterosexual um relationships and it becomes something that is identifiable in terms of being able to say oh yeah like you know i knew that i loved them then Verse, and even though it was a very different, obviously a very different kind of love that then became right. something else, but it still was a love that we can identify with. But then when it comes to same gender loving or even any sort of love outside of the heterosexual factor, we oftentimes just try to say, oh, you don't know what you want. You know what I mean? So right, I, I do, right. I do totally agree with to that. Do it too. Yeah. 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 So talk to me about your the correlation in your life between uh, religion and um, your curiosity, if you will, um, in terms of how it is that you were and or were not able to progress in, in yourself uh, from a young childhood into adulthood due to religion. Well, religion played and faith played a major role in my life and still does. And one thing I will say is I am glad that I, I got to know God and Jesus. Um, so I am a Christian. So I'm glad that I got to know that, the, that being uh, for myself. Mm-hmm. Because if I had not, I probably would have been like a lot of people who were like uh, at the church, you know, because the church did this to me or mm-hmm. the church made me feel like, it was not okay to be me. And I realized that it was the people. It wasn't God. It was the people mm-hmm. and the people's idea of what um, a real Christian is supposed to be, right? And so um, I would say I'm probably stronger and my my faith is stronger um, than it has ever been because 
God just kept like reaffirming that I'm here. I've always been here. I'm not leaving you no matter who you are. Like I made you, I made you who you are. And so you should keep being proud of who you are. Like I didn't, uh, you know, you know how people like to look at trans people and say, well, God doesn't make mistakes. And it's like, you're right. Right. God doesn't make mistakes. That is why they are who they are. (laughs) Like, that's not a mistake. And so I look at it the same way for myself. Like, God doesn't make mistakes. And I'm only becoming stronger in who I am and in my queerness. Because now I feel like um, I can be who I am fully and completely. And it doesn't take anything away from my faith. And some people, I think people feel like that sometimes, like it'll take away from, you know, my Christianity or, you know, my Buddhism or whatever, whatever you believe in. Like it'll take away from that because I'm not, those two don't mix. And it's like, they absolutely mix. Mm -hmm. They absolutely, if, if you are in the right place, you know what I mean? Like if you're in a community and in a church, if you're in the right church, they absolutely will mix. If you're in the wrong church, you're right. They won't mix because you're going to keep being told that uh, who you are is wrong and how you live your life is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's completely opposite of who God is, to me at least. And so, and then what kind of example would I be setting for my child too? You know, like for me to be one person when it comes to religion and faith and then for me to be a different person when it comes to my queerness. Right. What kind of example would I be setting for her? I'd be setting for her, like I'd be telling her basically that, you know, be fake all the time. Like don't, you know, it, and, it, and you have to be a different person in this world um, in order to make it. And that's, that's not okay, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know who Jasmine is going to be as she gets older. But I want her to know whoever she is. I mean, she's nine, so she's, you know, still figuring out her life, obviously, and who she is in this world. But whoever she is and whatever she does, I want her to do it proudly and boldly and not to walk in shame. And I walked many years in shame because of what I thought religion was. Mm -hmm. And I thought that religion could not um, be mixed in with my queerness. So tell me about the your experience in terms of um, being younger, being in the closet, if you will, and then still trying to commit yourself to your passion of music, um, all while simultaneously, you know, trying to find out who you are, who your authentic self is. Well, everything was pretty much done in the closet. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I would have relationships and I would not cheat on someone to be with a woman. That was never me. But as soon as like we would break up, <laughs> I would be like in the arms of a woman. But for me, my closet was so deep and it was filled with so much baggage and garbage that I would never usually there's only one person that I ever back then was with that I slept with more than once and it was because usually um my thing was I'm not really queer I'm not really a lesbian I just like sleeping with women Mm. and 
Um, and it's wrong. So I also hate that about me. Like I, and I hate that I, I feel this way and I hate that I do it, but I felt like if I don't make this a regular occurrence or if I don't build a relationship with this woman, then I'm not really queer. I'm not really a lesbian. And so it did not play really any part in music for a while because I felt like this, this, I was going to say this part of me because it was really me. So it wasn't just a part of me. It was really who I was, right? It was so deep, deep, deep into the closet that, I mean, it. I only pulled my real self out every once in a while, which is why for so long I had like just dove into drugs because I was like, I can hide and mask who I am and the sadness because I feel like I can't be who I am. So if I do all this, then um, it'll give me a place to hide, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So and in so your... the music part, I mean, it just, it, good thing about music is when you're on stage you get to be whoever you want to be mm-hmm. right and you get to um I've seen like the shyest people go on stage and have this whole different you know but that's their outlet and music was my outlet but I still felt like I was not able to be I was not able to bring that part of me into music mm-hmm. and then you know, I mean, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But when I did, it was a different story. So talk to me about when that point did, because, you know, I mean, we might as well go there since we're there. But that point, <laughs> when you did reach uh, more of a comfort of being who you were um, and, you know, stepping into that and incorporating that into your music life, if you will, and being all of who you were on stage, off stage, how did that, do you feel like it affected your ability for work? Do you feel like it affected your ability to, to continue to pursue certain things? Like how did it at all? It affected a lot of things. I mean, I'll be honest. One of the only reasons that I really came out like at the beginning was because I met someone that I had like undeniably, fell in love with like there was no way I mean I fell so hard I could not just keep her at home and like you know act like you know it's in the closet I'm in the closet so she can stay home or we can do certain things I wanted to be with her all the time like I didn't care it got to I was at a point in my life where I was like I don't care because I don't care who knows because I'm so madly in love right um and so I Notice, especially with the men, because I knew so many male um, musicians because of music. And I was younger. I was like 30. That's how long it took me to come out. I was like 30. And so imagine, though, yeah, like 29, 30, right? Like right before Jasmine was born to like around the time she was born. Imagine all of these younger guys, and a lot of the guys I knew were younger than me too, around my age or younger. Um, They weren't all trying to sleep with a bunch of women, but they were mostly 
trying to, I mean, and it makes it sound bad, like all musicians all mess around, and they don't all. And I hate that we have to do that. It's like saying, like, all cops are not bad. We know that, right? We know all musicians don't sleep around, but a lot of them do. Like, some of the best ones that I were like, I was like, they are the best husbands and the best fathers. I would be see them on the road and be like, oh, you're trash. Like, I did not know you had a woman in every city. Um, and so a lot of them, I knew them personally, like, as friends. Um but on any given night, they would try and make it something different. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I became like any other chick. And it was like, no, that's not how I get down. And so when I started bringing, um, when I started being more open about who I am and what I like, um, it automatically either turned into like, oh, and I hate this. It either turned into like, uh, oh, you just ain't had, you know, that good dick. And I'm like, really? Like, is that what you think? Like, this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it, that's the most ignorant mess ever. But it either turned into that, which then would turn into like, yeah, because, you know, me and you. And it would be like, no, because if me and you was supposed to be something, we would have already yeah. been something, right? Um, or it would turn into like more of a, uncomfortable like oh okay you know which is interesting like men are comfortable when they see like if it's two very like feminine women and they you know they feel like that is the acceptable lesbian the the acceptable lesbians and they feel like um they should be in on that Mm -hmm which is dumb because like usually if they're actual lesbians not bisexual but like lesbians they don't want you to be in like they're not looking for a threesome with you maybe with your girl but not with you right um but my situation was different because I was with someone who was older than me um and she also wasn't like super feminine and so they also looked at that like well this is not like probably not their fantasy mm-hmm. right and so it wasn't acceptable to them because it wasn't their fantasy right because you know I guess if it was acceptable then I would have been with somebody who was younger and more feminine I don't know like whatever these heteronormative fantasies are I don't know but um so they they were kind of weird they were kind of weird which was one of the reasons I was happy to get out of there to get out of LA when I did because it just was like it made it music was less fun for me after a while Mm -hmm. because it it was like less about music when I came around and more about uh my sexuality and then also like certain jokes because then now I gotta be the damn police all the time I gotta be the the LGBTQ police (laughs) you know what I'm saying like because they're not none of them were white so like they weren't going to make racist black jokes. I don't have to worry about that. But then it was, you know, black males are very quick. I'm not saying white males aren't, but a lot of black males are, they're very insecure when it comes to sexuality um, and gender identity. And so they are quick to call things gay 
or you know gay shit or faggots and I'm like I don't play with that mess and so you know then people feel like they can't be themselves around me because they have to police their language and I'm like if that's who yourself is I don't want to be around you anyway because I don't want to hear all that because that's how you really feel which means that's how you feel about me Mm -hmm. and then you know it would be that whole thing of like well it's not how I feel about you it's just you know and it's like no but that's me right so it just became less fun it just wasn't it wasn't as much fun anymore so in the capacity of of where you are now looking um at where you are now how far it is that you've come in terms of identifying with yourself becoming more comfortable with yourself um and your craft and just like you know like you said even in terms of teaching and and you know the different many facets of you um do you feel like if you had a choice or if you could change anything looking back, would there be anything that you would say, I would definitely do this differently? No. I feel like everything I've done has made me who I am. And you know, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking about that the other day. Like what, (coughs) excuse me, what, would I have done different, differently in my life? Like, would I have come out sooner? Or um, would I have, you know, gone for this audition? Or would I have not done drugs? Or, you know, harmed myself or put myself in positions that were potentially life-threatening? And the easy part of me would be like, yes, I would change that. But I don't think that I would be the person that I am today had I not gone through those things, Mm -hmm. honestly and truly. Like, I, that brought me to a point. There are some people who are like, I never want to touch a drug. I never want to, you know. um, It took me going there to say, I don't ever want to see that side of me again. Or I don't ever want to put myself through that again. But it also made me stronger and so there's nothing that I would change. If I had to do it all over, there's nothing that I would change about, you know, what I've done and who I am and how I got there and how I got here to this present point. I'm, I'm in love with my life. And I feel like, you know, things can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think, you know, things are perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. Um, but I'm in the best place that I've ever been. I'm in the best state of mind that I've ever been, like emotionally, physically. Well, physically, I can be, do better. Like, you know, I could work out more days a week than I am. But, <laughs> but I am like the healthiest I've been in a while, like mentally, emotionally. And I, I love that. And I, it's only because I've, gone through certain things and the steps that I've I've taken so I look at it all as a part of my process my life process so let's talk about um more of the the race perspective if you will so we've talked about the queer aspect um and and 
part of the reason why I wanted to do this uh, or, or why I'm compelled to do this project is because I, I recognize as an artist that there are so many things that you have to deal with. First of all, being a woman. And then you add on top of that being a black woman or just a woman of color. And then you add on top of that being queer. It's like this whole other level of um, just reasons why people have excuses to not see you for who you are or to not recognize your talents or to not, to not, to not, to not. Right. And so, um, you know, we've covered the more so the queer side of, of things, but tell me around the race aspect of things. Do you feel, when, when did you first realize that you were black? When did you first realize oh, that you were? The moment I came out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was born in Syracuse, New York, <clears throat> but my parents are from the Bronx, born and raised in the Bronx. My whole family is from um, either the Bronx or Brooklyn. And so I was just always around black folk. And in Syracuse, Syracuse is more diverse. Um, like it's a, it's a lot of black folk, but it's a lot of white folk too. Uh, but my, my mom and dad, um, especially my dad, were always getting recognized for doing things in the community and doing things... Um, doing things in the community and doing things for black folk. And so I, I always, like, I grew up thinking like, like my dad was like Martin Luther King. <laughs> when you're little, you know, you think your parents are like the most amazing, you know what I mean? Like mm. the most amazing thing in the world. Right. And, but because of like their activism and the stuff that they were doing and with religion and with the community, I was like, oh, my dad's like Martin Luther King. Like, he's the coolest. So I knew from a young age, though, about, like, civil rights and about just my blackness in general. And, um, yeah, I mean, very young age. And I feel like because I was on the East Coast, it was a lot different from here in schools where um, we learned a lot of black history. A lot. It, that didn't change until we moved to California, and it was like February. This is the time we learned Black history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, do you, in terms of your artistry, do you feel that um, your race has played a role at all in terms of getting gigs, not getting gigs? Uh, I don't know about getting gigs and not getting gigs, but like it has played a major role. Uh, as far as like how I perform um, <clears throat> because I know like in LA every so many people can sing so many people can sing like everybody is talented and um, but a lot of people that I know of that are super talented they do a lot of runs and they do you know they do all this different stuff with their voice I'm not that type of singer like, I just, that's just not in me, honestly. And, you know, for a while I tried and I was like, that just ain't me. Like, honestly and truly, not only can my voice not do it, but I'm just a, like, straight singer. I, I, I got, like, two good runs and that's it. 
And I will fill your song with those two runs if that's what you want. Uh, but other than that, I can't do the vocal acrobat. Like the, I'm not a vocal acrobat. I'm not. I'm not a gymnast. Not a, all that. Can't do it. And so I, but my life was filled with like, uh, definitely, I have two older sisters, so it was filled with a lot of like East Coast hip hop, um, but also a lot of soul music. Um, but then at the same time, a lot of like rock pop and I love country music, right? And so it was very interesting because I wanted to do, when I first like started singing on my own, I wanted to do more like rock music, but I had really long locks and I like barely wore shoes all the time. Like now I hate shoes. Um, but, and so people were like, oh, you're like a Jill Scott or an Erica Badu. And I was like, no, I'm not actually. Uh, I really wanted to just do this Beatles song. Like I just, you know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to do like Beatles or Rolling Stones and people were, I was getting gigs to like be there Jill Scott, like literally this was when like Jill Scott and Erica Badu first came out and Biari. And it was like, no, this is what you're going to do. And it's not what I wanted to do. I do love those artists. And those are some of the people I was listening to, mm-hmm. but people would just look at me and be like, no, this is what you're going to do. So in that sense, some stuff I didn't get because it was like, well, if you're not going to do this, then, you know, you're not going to get the job. Right. And so it was like, we want your blackness to be this way, not the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that's how it affected me. It wasn't so much like, because you're black, you're not going to get this gig. It was like, no, we want you to be this type of black. Right, right. You got to be Erica Badu black. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I mean, everybody with locks ain't Erica Badu, boo. Like, <laughs> come on. So, um, tell me, tell me about your first love, like your first real love. Uh, you know, when I saw that question, I really was thinking like, who in the hell was my first love? (laughs) Um, I honestly don't know because I feel like most of the people I dated, Um, especially younger were all men and I wasn't really in love with them I do have a a best friend who is a guy who I dated for not just dated we were together for like four years and if I were to ever have to like marry a man it probably would have been him Mm -hmm. because I feel like but our relationship though was more for me because it was more Uh, it was because we were friends Mm -hmm. and I trusted him and I knew that um, now at the time he didn't know that I was queer but I was like (laughs) if I have to play house with anybody it would be him because at least I do care about him right Um, I would have broke his heart later on though because I'm sure at some point I would have been like I can't do this anymore (laughs) like it's enough is enough right (laughs) um but I do believe that I was in love with him. I know I was, but I believe that it was because we had been together so long, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
And I also believe that it was because um, I trusted him so much and because we were friends. Um, Would that in love have made it to where it would have worked long term? Probably not because I'm just not into men. Hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, honestly, I don't know. Um, So then tell me, tell me the first time I experienced like, like really being in love is when Jasmine was born. Mm. I had never loved another human being that deeply Mm. to where I was like, oh, I will give my all to make sure, you know, you have the world or like I will kill somebody over you like if they hurt you or I will, you know, die for you. I had never felt that kind of love Mm. before, um, before her. So tell me, tell me about, you said there was a relationship that you were in and that, and this was a person that you, um, basically you kind of came out to the world with because uh-huh. you were like madly in love with this person. So talk to me about that relationship and, and what it was that made it, this is the one that I'm willing to let everybody know about to like share with the world. I don't know what, like, you know, what's interesting. So before her, I was with this other chick who was, she was a little crazy. Um, and so because that relationship was so tumultuous, um, I was like, oh, I will never be in a relationship with a woman. Cause I was like, this is just not worth it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, if this is what being with a woman is going to be like, I can't do it. Basically saying every woman was going to be like her. Um, but even with her, like she would come to my parents' house with me to visit, but I never made it known to like anyone, unless you were really close to us, that there was any type of relationship. Mm-hmm. I also was like that though too, because she was so um, off the rails where I was like, I don't really think I want people to know that we're in a relationship. And the relationship, the actual relationship was so short. Um, we just, I hung on for so long because she would, I she would make me feel bad. Like I felt bad about leaving or she would do things like, I'm gonna die or I'm gonna kill myself. And I was like, now it's gonna be my fault. Like if you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And then I realized later on, like it's not my. Fault. Like I have to worry about me and my well being, and she's making me go crazy. And I also felt like if you really were gonna hurt yourself, like you would have done it. And not, not that I wanted her to, but like most people don't just threaten to do it. Like there's action behind it, and she would pull that out of the bag every time. Like I'm gonna get myself, and I just felt like that's not fair to me. Because right when I'm getting right and better and I'm walking out, now you pull this and then I'm like, so if I leave, it's my fault. Right. So I'll stay. And so it was interesting. So I went through that and then met this other person. Um, And actually, I hadn't already met this other person because she went to our church. And the first time I saw her, I was like, I'm in love with this person. <laughs> when I saw her, and it's so funny because if you were to ask her, we don't talk anymore, but um, if you were to ask her, 
uh, she would always say, you were rude to me. Like, you didn't even speak or you would. But I was like, that's usually, I'm like, you know how when kids like each other and they pull somebody's hair or like hit them? That was me. I didn't know how to act around her because I did not want people to know that I was attracted to a woman. And so I uh, was just stank because I was like, if I'm nice to her, she's maybe she's going to think I'm flirting with her and I don't want her to think I'm flirting with her. And just so happened that like she liked me too. And she was quite a bit, I mean, she was like, my oldest sister is 13 years older and they're the same age. So she was like 13, 14 years older. And so um, we were at two very different points in our life. Very, very different points because I was like heavily in music, but Jasmine had just been born. So I was kind of like trying to figure out how to manage both of these worlds, right? Um, and one is constant because that's your child. And then the other one can go away at any moment or you could get a gig or you, I could work fully for a month and then not get called for a month or two to do a gig, right? And she was in law. So like she was like, you know, very much into her career. And we were just at two extremely different points in our life. But um, we both, it was a quick, I don't think I've ever jumped so fast into a relationship. Like I'm a dater, usually. Like I like to date for a while. I mean, literally it was, I had been watching her. I really liked her. We hung out one time and the next day, we talked all day, like texting back and forth. And then the day after that was Christmas. We spent all of Christmas together. And then that Monday, um, I had to leave to drive to Vacaville. <clears throat> and I remember I was like laying in the bed with her. And this is literally, I mean, we had already met, of course. We had just met, but like, which I'm not judging people who sleep with somebody on the first day. I've done it or second date, whatever. But for me, because I'm a dater, I was like, I want to usually date for a while. And it was like Friday, we hung out. Saturday, we talked. Sunday was Christmas, spent the whole day together. Stayed together that night. I had to go out of town the next day and we were both like, I don't want to leave. I don't want you to leave. I just want to be here with you together. I mean, and we were together from that point on. <laughs> there was no like, Yes, we know each other, but let's get to know each other. It was just, no, I like you, you like me, we together. Right. And so we had a lot of, we hit a lot of bumps and bruises because, not physically, but like, it was just a lot of, um, after the honeymoon phase was over, it was this hardcore of like trying to get to know each other. Um, and it wasn't fun anymore. So it was like, oh, I didn't know that you come with this baggage and <laughs> that you, you know, you've been through this and that the way I'm acting this way might affect you because of this that you've been through or, you know, vice versa. Like it was a lot of um, pain involved because we didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I wasn't willing to, I mean, literally it was years of that. And then we broke up it's very interesting because our actual relationship wasn't that long. It was like a year or two. And then I moved back up here um, and we broke up 
but we held on to each other for like four years to the point where I did not date anyone. I did, like Shamian was my first real relationship since that relationship. And do you know how old Jasmine was when this person and I broke up? She was like two, mm. maybe three. And she's nine now. Yeah. So <laughs> like this was, no, she was like two. She was two. Um, so that was, it was years of like trying to figure out how to move on. And then when we would say, no, we're moving on, then it'd be like, we talk one time and then be like, okay, no, we can't let go. And, and it was, we had to finally let it go, but we were, we were dry. She always used to say, we're like two ships passing in the night. Like we don't ever know if we'll ever actually meet in the middle and actually stop and, you know, and also because we were at two different points in our life, it just wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the person I am now is who she would have wanted me to be then. But I was like 30. I was not ready to be that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. 39 and 30 is two. I'm about to be 40 in less than six months. Two, I I was a totally different person at 30 than I am at 39, almost 40. And so... For her to expect that of me, it wasn't fair at 30. Like, if you're dating someone that much younger than you, you have to know that, mm-hmm. you know, their life is different than yours. And also who she is now is who I would have, not who I would have, wa- yes, is who I would have wanted her to be back then. Um, because she's a lot more, even though she's so much older, she was very much in the closet. Mm-hmm. And this was at a point where I was like, I want to be in the closet. I want to be out. And so, yeah, that was, it was different. It was, it was different, but, uh, it didn't affect, cause she was in music too, but she was like a, um, she was a ghost writer, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, because she had this career, right. In, in law, um, but she was like a ghostwriter for it. And she had written some hit songs and stuff. And, you know, um, but, you know, as a ghostwriter, no one knows who you, who you are. And so um, we had that in common because mm-hmm. I had been doing that, but also I'd been writing my own stuff and like vocal producing and all that kind of stuff too. And so we just could never get it right but I mean god bless yeah yeah whatever she's doing these days (laughs) so tell me let's go into uh your first experience with heartbreak like your first kind of moment when you were like the world is over (laughs) you know what I mean you know that relationship that relationship yeah yeah that was the one where I I had experienced heartbreak before but not to the point where I'd be like crying and wouldn't get out of bed Uh, hold on just a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, internet is being weird. Weird internet. Okay, I got you back. All right, tell me again. Um, I was going to say that one and... There was something in my... Um, that one and uh, my boyfriend before her, the one that I was with for all those years, that was like my best friend. Um, 
those are the only two relationships that I had been in at that time that where I would just like cry if things hurt so bad. And with him, it was more so because I felt like I was losing my friend mm-hmm. um, when we would fight. And we broke up like four or five times, he and I did. Um, and, but with her, I felt like this is my first real relationship where I've been able to be myself. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt this kind of love before. And you're not supposed to leave that type of thing. Hmm. When I stopped crying over the relationship and it took years, that's when I knew, oh, I'm getting stronger and I'm, I'm ready to move on. But I mean, every little thing would, and I'm not a crier. So like, if I cried over it, it would be like, oh, something's wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) Something's really wrong with you. But I mean, she would take me to the point where I would be like, I would like stop whatever I was doing because it would just affect me so much and it just wasn't healthy Mm. it was so unhealthy I mean and I'm not saying it's it's um wrong to cry you should definitely have your feelings but like years of feelings years (laughs) like that's a lot and when I stopped crying and when I stopped caring I was like oh like a bitch is moving on like yay thank god because it took so long for me to, like, not care. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, every day would be, like, me checking my email see if, you know, she called or texted. And, and then when we would talk, I would say, like, you know, you don't know how hard it is. And I'm, like, checking messages. And she'd be like, I, you know, that's what I do every single day. And I'm just trying to... Like, we have to figure out what we're going to do. Either we're going to, so we both were doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but I didn't, because I didn't hear from her, I didn't know that she was like in pain like I was. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we needed to stop talking and checking in and all that stuff in order to move on, mm-hmm. honestly. And it, it got to a point for me that when finally, when we would talk, if we did, I was fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then to a point where then we just didn't talk at all because we didn't need that crutch anymore. And that was the best thing I could have ever done. Right. I wish I would have done it sooner. <laughs> but if honestly, if I had done it sooner, I probably would not have met Shania. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So tell Her. me, tell uh, me, we just got a few more minutes here, but tell me... Um, Looking back just over the last, this past hour that we've talked and just kind of all, like if you were to accumulate everything together um, of your life story, uh, I think one of the the biggest questions that I've had for everyone that I've interviewed is looking over your life, looking at where you are now, where you'd like to be, what does love look like to you? Ooh, love looks like me. No, love... (laughs) You know, I did that with my hair, too. <laughs> it was like all of this. Um, oh, with my black I just realized I was wearing this shirt, too. I know, it's done. Um, <laughs> love looks like peace. Honestly, love looks like peace, and it looks like, um, I was going to say happiness, and I mean it is happiness but I I put peace over everything like if I can if I'm at work and 
I can't wait to get off and see my baby, my babies, see Jasmine and Shemian, and want to be at home. That's not love to me. Like, I love being with them. I love spending time with Shemian. I love um, being around her. Um, and that's love to me because I, I feel comfortable and I feel at peace. I was listening to um, a podcast today and they were talking about like somebody like a listener wrote in and said she checked her husband's phone and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, the first problem is that you checked his phone. Like if you feel the need to do that, then that means that there was never trust or like there was you knew that there was going to be something to find. This is one of the first relationships I've been in on even touch her stuff because I don't feel like, like, I don't need her laptop. I got my own. And back in the day, like, I was going through stuff because I knew that there was something to find. I don't, I trust her with everything that I have. And so, to me, that is love. I don't feel the need to pick up your phone. And I also know that if I'm standing behind you and I look at your phone, you're not about to do this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's trust and that's love. And that's that's what it looks like to me. It looks like trust and it looks like peace. And those are the two words that keep popping in my head because I'm so at peace. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to deal with no drama, no, you know, silliness. And that is love to me. Like I could spend the rest of my life like this. <laughs> that is love. Right. So what are your, um, and this, you know, might be too personal if you don't have to answer. But what are your modes of self-care? What are the ways in which you, you show love for yourself? Oh, that's not too personal. I like that. Um, how I show self-care. I love to meditate. I have this um, the little app on my uh, Apple Watch, the Breathe app. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it enough, but like I really try and take those moments and it does it like every hour, I think, where it just tells me to stop and breathe. Right. And I love that reminder because sometimes we forget to like just stop and take a deep breath or spend 60 seconds in silence to just breathe. Like it's so funny to me because sometimes when that dings I'm like I don't have 60 seconds and it's like what you don't have 60 seconds to just stop and breathe or like be thankful you know what I'm saying so those quiet moments that is one way I practice self care Um, another is massages Shamian likes to do a couple massages but it's so funny and I like I think it's fun but I love going by myself (laughs) because I feel like it's my self care, <laughs> and so um, that is my self care. And then also, um, I <laughs> Jasmine always gets mad at me. See, we uh, the three of us always do so much stuff together that it's like they don't sometimes understand when I just want to like do those things by myself. Um, my one of my biggest ways to practice self-care is when I go get my nails done Mm. honestly and truly because Jasmine likes to go and I'm like sometimes I have to go by myself but I go and I put my headphones in and I talk to no one and a lot of times I used to watch stuff but I don't watch stuff anymore I usually listen like to a podcast or and I just sit there 
with my eyes closed. And I feel like it's just me and whoever this person is doing my nails and there's no one else here. Mm -hmm. Honestly and truly, and I don't check emails. I don't check text messages. I just sit there with my eyes closed or my head back and I just listen to my podcast. Like that is probably one of the number one way that I practice self-care. And it's very like, I was going to say superficial, but you know, between that and like, I just started going back to the gym and it's kind of nice because I'm getting in the swing of things and I'm like trying to, I'm walking into 40, right? Mm-hmm. I want to run into 40. Like, and so I'm, I'm, I need to get my body back and that, that part of self-care is something I'm getting used to, but it's like, it makes me feel good when I leave there, which means that the self-care is working because whatever I do during my times of self-care, I want to feel better when I'm finished. Right. So in your process of self-care and um, I I guess the question is, is, well, it's sort of two questions. Uh, Would you say that it's fair to say that you are still healing past a lot of the damages done in not really being able to fully be who you are, whether it be because religion said you can't or the world said you can't or, you know, just because of the world that we live in. Um, and in that process of still healing, if that is, you know, truly your case, do you feel like um, that is an ongoing thing? Do you feel like you've reached a promised land or where where are you with that? I think it's Ongoing, And I think it will always be ongoing. I feel like I'm so much better. Mm. Um, But it's gotten to a point where um, I don't think I'll ever completely be, like, healed of it, honestly, because the damage was very deep. I mean, but I also feel like I don't want to completely get rid of it because then I forget about those who are still in this the position that I was in. Sometimes when we forget about where we've been, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then we start to walk in this privilege of, well, why isn't everyone else, you know, out of the closet? Or why isn't everyone else, you know, why are they worried about what people think? And it's like, you were just there. Like that mess hurts. And it's hard to not worry about what people think. And so I don't want to completely forget those people because those are the people that I, I feel like some, there were people there for me mm-hmm. when I was going through it and dealing with, you know, the hurt and the pain and the shame or feeling like I was, you know, walking in shame. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be there for those people. But I feel like if I completely like if I'm at this place of 100 percent, I'm healed and, uh, you know, things are great, then I forget about those people mm-hmm. who also need that love that I got. Right. So last question, last question. Um, in With all of that being said, if you were to talk to a young queer woman of color, uh, you know, whether she be six years old or 16, what advice, what are, what are some pearls of wisdom that you would offer them? Um, love yourself. You are perfect just the way you are. 
Um, and I would absolutely reaffirm that God does not make mistakes. So you are who you are because that's exactly the way that God made you. Um, and we are like when we're younger, we feel like if we're doing everything that people want us to do. And if we become who everyone wants us to become, then it's going to be better. Like the world's going to be better. And that's not, there's always going to be somebody that hates what you do or does not like what you're wearing or does not like who you are. And I would just remind them, like, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you. You can't please everyone. (laughs) Like honestly and truly, no matter how hard you try, you cannot please everyone. So why not just be yourself and make yourself happy? Mm -hmm. Truly, honestly and truly. And that would be it. I do hope you enjoyed listening to this interview with Miss Queen Larray. Please be sure to follow the links attached to the podcast for ways to connect with her and be sure to follow her and tune in to her podcast, Black, Queer, and dot, dot, dot. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes. Be well, be blessed, one love.